Amen. Spirit divine, touch me one more time. Spirit divine, touch me one more time. Spirit divine, touch me one more time. Touch me one more time today. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to thank you for coming to church. And then um, today we are going to do a a long study. I want you to have your notes and your your Bible with you because we'll be doing a lot of reading and a lot of um, writing. I told you that the month of April, we are going to be looking at Jesus quite often. And so, um, today we are looking at Jesus in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I was thinking of teaching um, Jesus in Genesis. That one would have been long too much. So, I decided, let me start with Jesus in the Old Testament. Then maybe later... I will go to Jesus in Genesis. Then we go to Jesus in Exodus. By the time we are done, now you cramp Abba. Amen. By the time we are done, Jesus would have come. Would have come. <laughs> Amen. Now, it is quite popular for us to hear people say, "Oh, the Old Testament is dead. We don't need the Old Testament." Throw away the Old Testament. It's now the New Testament. We are now living in the new creation. We are new creation. And the Old Testament is done away with. But you know what? When people are talking about the Old Testament, they don't understand what it is. Amen. Amen. There are practices in, in the New Testament in terms of books. When we say books, that are Old Testament-like in nature. Are you with me? There are so many. I wouldn't want to go there because I don't want to digress from my topic because it's a long topic anyway. For instance, in the book of John, a woman was caught in adultery and they brought the woman to Jesus and they wanted to stone the woman. That is an Old Testament practice in the New Testament. Again, in the book of Acts, when you go to the book of Acts, the Bible says that when Paul had gone to be with the Gentiles and had come back, they said they were going to stone him. So he had to perform um, washing rites. He had to cut his hair and wash himself and dress in a certain manner. And that was a requirement in Old Testament. The same Paul was telling people, don't allow them to put these rites on you. In the book of Acts, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Old Testament, the book of Acts did that. I follow what I'm saying. Again, in many times, for instance, Paul says that you shall not, um, um, he said, a laborer is worth his wages. Are you with me? Again, Again, the New Testament, we find out that he said, if a thief is caught, the thief should be asked to pay double or even more. All these things are Old Testament practices. I would mean. So when we are talking about Old Testament, we have the Old Testament in terms of books. Okay? Books. And we have Old Testament in terms of covenants and practices. Covenants 
and practices. Covenants and practices. So when somebody says the Old Testament is done away, you must ask the person, are you talking about the books or are you talking about the covenants? Are you with me? Uh -huh. Because there are things in the Old Testament books that apply today. For instance, even the laws of Moses that people say have been done away with, it's not true. It's only the civil law and the ceremonial law that have been done away with. Are you with me? But the moral law still stands. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness. All the laws in the Old Testament or the laws that were given by Moses, that has to do with our morality still apply today. Are you with me? If you go to toilets behind here, if you go to toilet here, maybe your stomach is doing something, you go to toilet here, you have to cover it. Don't you do it? Don't you do it? In today's world, don't we do it? It's, called a, it's a moral law. Moses is the one who gave that law. Are you with me? And so, why, what is that so? Because somebody can go out and he's just walking out before he has stepped into your feces. Do you want that to happen? No. The reason these days we dig manholes and we use for our toilets is because of all those kind of things that the Old Testament, like quarantine. So I'm saying that when somebody says the Old Testament is done away with, we need to ask the person, which Old Testament are you talking about? Are you talking about Old Testament rituals? Oh, you are talking about Old Testament books. Are you following me? The only thing that is done away with in the Old Testament, when you find the New Testament, oh, the Old Testament is done away with, is the Old Testament rituals for our sanctification. Or the Old Testament rituals for our justification. Or in simple, the only thing the Old Testament that is done away with is the Old Testament rituals for our salvation. Old Testament what? Rituals for what? Our salvation. Or forgiveness of sins. You can just list it. Forgiveness of sins. Atonement. What it means that in the Old Testament there were so many rituals. When you do this, when you sin, you must have there were five kinds of what? Um, offerings. We had the guilt offering. We had the, they had the peace offering. They had the, the um, oh boy, I'm a real cry. How's that so? Um, sin offering, peace offering. Um, um, oh boy, don't mind. It's okay. I've forgotten it anyway. I was just reading it two days ago. You know. Now, they had like if you do this, you have to go and do this. If you do this, you have to go and do this. If you do that. So, so, in the Old Testament, if you are a sinner, you must do crazy kinds of things in order to ask, get forgiveness of sins for one year. Or sometimes even for a week. Because if you do it again like Achan, okay, he was killed. You understand? So, the part of the Old Testament that has been done away with is what? Is what? The rituals for what? Our salvation. The rituals, the ceremonies for our justification. When we talk about justification, we are talking about how we are made righteous, how we are justified before God. Those are the things that are done away with in the Old Testament, not the books. Are you with me? I hear. 
So I just said that so that we, we before I go we go into the Old Testament so that we don't have to go into trouble. Now we are going to John chapter 24. In John chapter 24, the Bible says that. The Bible says that Jesus had resurrected and then um, he met two guys, two of his disciples anyway, on Luke chapter 24. 24. We are going to be reading from, I'm looking for something. Um, Luke 24, uh-huh, the place is called Emmaus. Emmaus, that's what I was looking for. I, I, I want to be sure. Verse 25. He met two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now, it is very clear that these were not his... Um, because afterwards, he says, they went and met the 11. So it means that these were not the, the, the original apostles, but these were also what? Close disciples. And when you go to the verse, chapter 24, you see the story there where he meets them and they were on the road to Emmaus. And he asked them, Charlie, what's going on? And they say, ah, Are you the only stranger in, in Jerusalem? You've heard us, this is where it is found. Let's go to verse 25. And they were talking about a lot of things. And Jesus said to them, Okay, let's start from verse 23. And when they found not his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels which said they he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman has said, but him they saw not. So they were telling the story of Jesus' resurrection. They were telling Jesus about his resurrection. <laughs> then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, underline your Bible, to believe all that what? The prophets had spoken. So, Jesus is drawing the attention to the fact that, Charlie, this thing that I'm talking about, this thing that you have seen, this thing that has happened, it's not a new thing. These are things that were spoken by who? How many of the prophets? All the prophets. He said, the prophets, all that they had spoken. He says, the prophets spoke about these things. And you guys are, are, are shocked. Then he went on and said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hallelujah. Beginning from where? Moses. So it means that right from Genesis all the way to Malachi, he started showing them. I am, have you seen this story there? That's me. Have you seen this other story? He said, that's me. Have you seen this one? This one. He said, that's me. Have you seen this one? He said, that's me. Have you seen this one? That's me. He said, what? Did you see it in your Bible? Is it in your Bible? <laughs> he said, and beginning at Moses. He's talking about the law, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Beginning from there. All the way into where? All the prophets. Now, he, 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 that means that. First Kings, Second Kings, Joshua, Judges, those books were all called prophets. Okay, the Jews, not, not our today time. Today time, they call some of them history. But Jews called First and Second Kings, First Second Chronicle, First Second Samuel as prophets. Are you with me? So he, talk, he, he may even go and say, Charlie, have you seen the stone that David threw? He said, that's me. Oh. <laughs> Are you with me? So because the scripture is saying that what? 
all the prophets. He took them from Genesis to Malachi and did what? And expounded. Do you know expound? Exigent. He brought the truths of scripture out. Jesus is a great teacher. And this is why his disciples so. Uh, one day I'll teach you how we are saved. Then I'll, I'll, I'll share with you that you understand that it was even after he heard that the disciples were actually saved. Because they previously they just believed in him as a miracle worker. They didn't believe in him for their salvation. They just believed him as a miracle worker until he began to expand onto them. And receiving this particular scripture, as he began to expand on them, like, wow! So this is really what it is. Ah! Then right there, John now says that right there, he breathed and said, now finally you are about to receive salvation. Receive it, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the days is fast spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, and he took bread and blessed it. And break and give to them, and their eyes were opened. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at this, that. And yes, are you with me? The Bible is, is, is the Bible not powerful? You see, you see when, when, when we are doing Bible study and, and you know that thing, and the Holy Ghost is leading you, you, you just can't stop reading. Are you with me? <laughs> He was with them, and he was like a, a comment. Jesus is, 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 was, was given a commentary of the Old Testament. Are you with me? And was given, but they didn't know it was him. He said, ah, are you not aware? Are you not aware? He said, ah. I said, wow, 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 wow. But still, they couldn't figure out that he was what? The Jesus. Then, they said, Charlie, you are too deep. You know Bible, or you know scripture, so why don't you stay with that? Because Jesus, Krampono, we can't find him, so at least we need another rabbi. <laughs> Then while they sat down and they began to eat, he did something he usually used to do. What did he do? He break bread and blessed it. And as he break the bread, and as he gave to them, the Bible says their eyes was what? Open. Now I want to show you something. If you want to have your eyes open, what do you do? You break bread. You break bread. Are you with me? Now we can use this as symbol, but literally... Holy Communion. That's why Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians that for this cause, many of you are sick, many of you are weak, many of you are dead. Why? Because they don't see the value of the breaking of bread. Jesus is breaking bread, their eyes open. Did you see that? And their eyes were open. Pop! Like, it was like cataracts that were in their eyes. And the cataracts, you know cataracts, dots. When, when you are playing in sand, okay, and the sun, some of the sun enters your eyes, or a bed, or there's a bed. Oh, somebody's a bed. An insect enters your eye. You see, how those are cataracts, things that are in your eyes that are preventing you from seeing. What? The moment he broke the bread and said, Thank you, Father, for this good bread, he broke it, bra, the eyes open, pop. And they knew, look at it, and they knew him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they knew him. They had an encounter with him. Then what happened? Then he vanished out of their sight. Can we continue? Can we continue? So we are talking. What are we talking about? Jesus in what the Old Testament. 
All right. John 24, 25 to 32. So where are we? 31. And their eyes were opened. And what happened? And they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. As soon as they knew him, he disappeared. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way? And while he opened to us, what? The scriptures? Amen. Amen. So we already realized that what was Jesus doing? He was opening their eyes to the Old Testament about himself. So this already lays foundation to the fact that we can go back to the Old Testament and look at Jesus there. Are you with me? I was telling somebody that if you can't preach the gospel from the Old Testament, you are still not a Christian yet. You are not a man of God. You are not a pastor. If you can't preach Jesus in the Old Testament, if you, if you can't pick an you can't preach Jesus from the Old Testament. You are, you, are, you, are, you are not serious yet. Like Aromi Osai will say that if you are 20 years or something and you have never prayed for how many hours? Four hours or so? Three hours? Whatever. Ten hours? He said you are a clown. <laughs> the day I heard it, I laughed. Uh, and it's true. <laughs> how can you be 20 years? You have never prayed for 10 hours in your life. Hey. You are a clown indeed, though. And I'm also saying that if you are a pastor and you are a preacher and you can't preach Jesus from the Old Testament, you are a clown. You are a joke. You can't tell us the Old Testament is done away with. One day I was listening to Papa Kass, Papa Kass, some the, the kind of Christianity that Christians that we have today are just jokers, especially some of the men of God. They tell you oh, the Old Testament is done away with. Look, these people, go and read the book of Acts. It was the Old Testament they used to preach to 3,000 3, people. And they all, how? You are here doing, for God's soul, brother, God loves you, give your life. All those things are crazy things. Is that a gospel? Are you with me? All of them, including Paul, all the letters that we have, all the books in the New Testament, apart from the Gospels, all of them are books, commentaries of the, of the Old Testament. They are commentaries of the Old Testament. They are what? Commentaries. I'm saying that we can teach Jesus from the Old Testament. I'm saying that we can find Jesus in the Old Testament. Only that in the Old Testament, it just takes a bit because it's actually in the New Testament that we see him what? Fully manifested. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that the Old Testament is done away because the people that were explaining Jesus and were teaching Jesus and all of that. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you know why Paul became one of the best? Because Paul himself said that he was a first class student in the school of Gamaliel. Now Gamaliel was... A first class student among all the Pharisees, the, the, the Sahindri. When we talk about the rabbis or the teachers of the law, he was their senior man. You understand what I'm saying? He was an emeritus. Do you get what I'm saying? The emeritus senior student is poor. Do you understand what it means? It means that the guy can summarize Genesis to Malachi without blinking an eye, without doing um, the guy knows the scriptures. He said it in, in the book of Acts. He said, I was, I am mighty in scriptures. <laughs> he said, I know that thing. And he was defending them before, when he, when he went to meet um, Agrippa, Agrippa and then um, Festus and Felix and co. He made them know that, you know what, I am good at the Old Testament. 
So, so when, when he encountered Christ, he too, what happened to him? His eyes were popped up. <laughs> His eyes were open. Pop! And he saw the same thing we are about to look at today. And he wrote books in the New Testament explaining these realities. Are you with me? And so, when we continue to go, let's go to um, the same chapter, verse 44. This is after the, the, these, these um, two guys went and met the eleven and then they told them what, they had, what had happened and Jesus and they were still doubting and now Jesus came in their midst. Verse 44. What does it say? And Jesus said unto them, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you. And that all things must be fulfilled. Which all things? The things that are what? In the Old Testament. He said, which I didn't even know the thing is there. <laughs> which were written in the law of Moses. And in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. <laughs> ah! Today we are going to look at all those things. Oh. <laughs> Amen. I think one day we should come to church eh? and we will close at 12. Just stay in the Bible. <laughs> we get tired and we will get tired and sleep here and wake up the next day. Are you with me? So over here, he's giving them more. So he said, in the whole Old Testament, because that's the, he has just categorized them. They are, there's the law, there's the prophets, there's the psalm, the, the prophets, the psalms, or the writings. The psalms are the writings, Job, um, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, those are writings. There are just three, three categories. The Jewish um, categorization of, of scripture, the law, the prophets, and the psalms, or the writings. The Navim, the Ketuvim, and the, uh, I've forgotten, there are three. The Navim, the Ketuvim, and the, oh, oh no, the Navim, the Torah. Oh, the Torah is the popular one. I've forgotten it. Yes, the Torah, the, the law. You see that? The Navim is the prophets. The Ketuvim is the writings. The Torah, the Navim, the Torah, the Navim, and the Ketuvim. Do you see that? And he's just telling them that the, the Torah is testifying of me. The prophets are testifying of me. And the writings, he said, you can find me even in Job, in the book of Job. I'm there. <laughs> he said, ah, ah, you don't know. <laughs> ah. He said, Let's read again, verse 44 again. And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. How many things? All things which were written in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then open ye the understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I want you to, if you have your Bible, just lift it up. If you don't have, you have your soft copy too, you can lift it up. Say, oh Lord, oh Lord. in the name of Jesus, open my understanding. Open my eyes to understand scriptures concerning Christ. From this day, my mind receive light to see and understand the scriptures in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus taught and explained the Old Testament to them 
of all that was written and taught about him in them. And they understood just what he was communicating to them. Amen. Let's go to John 5. John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus is um, arguing with the Pharisees and the Jews. Let's just say the Jews. And they are saying, you know, that's the scripture where you said, you said a lot of things before Abraham was, I am, all those things. Uh-huh. That crazy text. Now, in John chapter 5, we find out that Jesus are you there? Oh boy, I'm not there. Wait for me. Today, dear me, pa, you have to wait for me. Yeah. Okay, wait all for me. Oh. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I can't find it all. Uh-huh. Verse 46. Verse 46. Now they were accusing him. Jesus said that. Are you there? What did Jesus say? He said what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> This is that <laughs> Jesus is an audacious man. He said, Moses wrote about me. So today we want to look at um, we want to look at forms, modes, mediums, portraits, descriptions of Jesus in the Old Testament. I don't know how to call that, so I'm using all these words, okay? So that anyone who listen to the tape will not say, hey, portraits, this one is not a portrait. So I'll say mode. Mediums, okay, appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. And today, be ready because I'm about to show you many crazy things in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, the first thing that we need to note, uh, notice is the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Prophecies. So we are going to look at about four things. The first one is prophecies. Prophecies about Jesus. In the Old Testament. Prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Have you written that? Prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Alright. <clears throat> okay. Now. The first prophecy of Jesus in the Old Testament is found in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. Did I say 5? Verse 15. Genesis 3 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. After Adam had fall, fallen, after Adam fell, you know, God was cursing the serpent. Okay? And Adam was there, Eve was there. And suddenly, the, God is cursing and cursing, and suddenly they hear that, hey, my seed will bruise the head of the serpent. And they understood what it meant. They understood that this meant that they were going to give birth to a child who conquered the devil. That's what they understood. It's today's Christians that don't understand this. But Adam and Eve understood this. So much that the whole Old Testament is, is, is unfolds. The whole Old Testament unfolds on this scripture. Are you with me? This is why the first seed that Adam had was Cain and Satan took control over the guy. 
The second seed that was born, Satan went, ah, okay, they can give birth to more seeds. What did he do? He killed the next seed. Didn't he do it? Why is that so? Because Satan was in, on, on a journey or on a search for destroying the seed of the woman because he knew that the seed of the woman was going to be his end. Are you with me? So the first prophecy of Jesus in the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Where there is a promise that the seed of a woman was going to bruise the head of the serpent. The head of the serpent simply means was going to destroy the devil's authority over the woman. Are you following me? Are you with me? Is it in your Bible? What does it say? Uh-huh. And between the thy words, exactly. So, we must understand that Jesus was first preached to Adam and Eve. And this is what they believed in and this is what they held on. Somebody said, Adam and Eve are in hell. They are not in heaven, they are in heaven. The same way you go, die and go to heaven is the same way they are in heaven. Are you with me? Because those Old Testament saints believed in Christ in advance. The gospel was preached to them that the seed of the woman will one day come. So over time, it was soon that they realized that, do you know that in Abraham, that same prophecy was given, Genesis chapter 15. Are you with me? We may look at that. I don't know if we look at that. It's not in my nose anyway. It's not in my nose. So let's, let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. It's not, in my, it's not part of the, 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 the prophecy. So let's just look at this. The same thing, it unfolds over time. Like the, the, the same prophecy kept on unfolding and becoming clearer and clearer to the time of Moses. Where Moses now in Deuteronomy 8, 8, 18, Deuteronomy is telling that. Not, so over the time, as the Old Testament is unfolding, that's where they now begin to understand more about the seed of the woman. So it was over time, over hundreds and thousands of years that they now came to understand that the seed of a woman was going to be born in Bethlehem. It was going to be born by a virgin Mary. It was going to be, but from Adam, they just heard that the seed was going to bruise the head of a serpent. Are you with me? Uh-huh. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, God appears to Abraham. Let's look at verse 7. Well, okay, okay. Let's start from um, verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. Let's read the whole story, okay? We have time. After these things, after these things, what happened? The word of the Lord, Yahweh, came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, this is Yahweh Adonai. What would thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, forgive me, I will say Abraham. I can't pronounce this one. Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he shall come forth out of thy own bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. He's preaching the gospel like that. Oh. 
God was just literally telling Abraham, Christians, a time is going to come. People that will come from your lineage. Not only Jews, because we already know in the New Testament that the gospel, Christ was for Jews and Gentiles. Are you with me? So shall you see, we know that Jews are not up to the stars in the heaven. But Christians who have lived and have died from the time, and from not just Christians alone, those who have lived from Adam, Abraham, the day God was weak to now, are like the stars in the heavens. And more are coming after us. We think Jesus is coming next two years. He's not. We, are, we, we may be shocked that we will enter 3,700. They see that many. <laughs> that, when we look at, the, we pay close attention. Said, Can you count the stars? He said, no, so shall you see me. That's the gospel. Let's continue. And he believed in the Lord. And he was, and he counted it to him for what? Righteousness. Somebody asked, when was Abraham saved? This is where Abraham was saved. The gospel was preached. And Abraham believed. He said, wow. I don't understand it in full detail, but one day my seed. Oh, okay. Go back. Let's go back to that verse. The verse five. Do you see that he doesn't say so shall your seeds be? It's not seeds. It's not plural. If your version is seeds, it's wrong. This is a seed. One seed. It's talking about Christ. Are you with me? Are you here with me? He's talking about what? Christ. So It's the same prophecy we see in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. God is saying, I will put enmity between your seed and thy seed. And what will happen? And her seed, and your, the woman's seed, and, and you, and, and what will happen to the woman's seed? The woman's seed will cut off your head, and you, you will bite his feet, and he will cut off your head. And that was simply talking about the biting of Christ's feet was killing him on the cross. He said, you will, you will beat him. You, you destroy him in one way. But in that, he is going to cut off your head. So when God was speaking to Abraham, uh, who what are their names? Adam and Eve in the presence of Lucifer and God was speaking to Lucifer, God was simply telling him that a time is going to come where the serpent was going to um, bite Jesus' heel and Jesus was going to cut off his head. And that's exactly what happens in the New Testament where we see that Jesus comes and is manifested and, and, and destroys the works of the devil. And that's exactly what happened. Today, sin has no dominion over me again. It's not because I'm too strong. It's because the one who had power to influence sin in my life, that led me to my death and my damnation. His works have been destroyed. Now I tell you, if I lie, it's deliberate. If I sin, it's a deliberate thing. It's not like it's not like an unbeliever out there who, who, who can't control his lust, can't control his sin. Believers have been given the power to control their sin because the head of the serpent has been cut off. I follow what I'm saying. So the first prophecy we see is what? In Genesis, where God is preaching to Adam and his wife. And, and with Adam and his wife, and we see that running through the whole Old Testament, where they are in anticipation for the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman. Amen. Amen. The second prophecy that I want you to notice is the birth of the Messiah. The birth of Jesus Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord shall... Are you there? Isaiah 7 verse 14. His birth was prophesied. Jesus in the Old Testament. Therefore, the Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be Emmanuel, which is God 
in our midst. And that same Emmanuel there is the same word as the Lord is here. The Lord in our midst. It's the same thing as Yahweh. It's the same thing as God is here. Okay? So over here, when we look at the scripture, we see that he's talking about the incarnation of Christ. When we talk about incarnation, how's, how's your waist? How's your waist? By the time you are done, you'll be fine. He's talking about the incarnation. When we talk about incarnation, we're talking about the fact that God became a man. Okay? God became what? A man. And John talks about it, that the, the fact that and, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we be, beheld his glory, the glory as of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you see that? So, so we see that his birth is prophesied by Isaiah that a virgin, with accuracy, that a virgin shall give birth to a child. And that child shall be the incarnation of God among men that his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now somebody said, Jesus wasn't called Emmanuel. No, he was Emmanuel. Everything about him was Emmanuel, God with us. He said, he was seeing me as seeing the father. He said, ah, there's a show as the father. Said, ah, ah, I've been with you for all this time and you still don't know the father. He said, he who has seen me has seen the father. You don't need to see him again. I have come to show you the father. Are you following what I'm saying? So we see what? His birth. Somebody say his birth. Again, Isaiah prophesies about his ministry. So we are talking about the first thing is prophecy. So you can put dash, his birth, dash, um, his ministry. So the next point we are talking about is his ministry. Isaiah 61. His ministry. The ministry of Jesus. Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. He says... Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, hold on there. Let's go to the book of Luke. Chapter 4, verse 18. Let's start with verse 70 so that you understand the story. Now, the reason sometimes I ask us to go back and read previous verses is, is so that we can understand context. We are talking about context. We know who is speaking, okay? Aha. Uh -huh. So that we know who is speaking. And so, in, 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 when you go up, you realize that a book was delivered to him and Verse 17 says, and was delivered unto him the book of the prophet, what? Isaiah. Do you see that? And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He found. What does it mean to find? It doesn't mean he chanced. It means he was looking for it. Okay? He was opening it and opening it and opening it and looking and they were waiting. He said, ah, this guy is keeping law. He should hurry up. He said, hold on, I'm still searching for it. You know that Isaiah has a long, so chapter one, now the way to 60. By the time you go to 60, and you know that in their time, they didn't have chapters. So it was, grrr, he was searching, he was searching, he was searching. And when he had found the place, he said, 
the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovery of sign to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. The important part is what we are looking at. And what did he do? He closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fasting on him. Why? The reason is because they already suspected that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. Okay? They already had an idea that this guy looks like him. And some of them have already come to one way or the other, believe one way or the other that he's some kind of Messiah or he's the Messiah that is coming. And they don't understand. But they already knew that this prophecy was about the ministry of the Messiah. So the moment they, he came to find it and read it, they suspected that he could be the one, but they were waiting for him. So they were all looking at him. He said, explain it. Say something. Say something. Ah, what you understand? Say something. Are you with me? Have you seen it? And all of them, their eyes were on him. They were looking at him. Maybe five minutes and he was seated. Then, he says, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Hallelujah. So, a prophecy in the Old Testament was prophesied about his, his ministry. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. To set the captives free. To preach the good news. Blind eyes are opening. The dead are coming back to life. The lame are walking. The gospel is being preached to the poor. The acceptable year of the Lord. He was preaching all of those things. And he wasn't just preaching them because an imposter can come and preach. You know an imposter. Somebody who pretends like he's the one but he's not the one. Are you with me? Somebody can call you one day and say I'm AFM on phone. And pretend with my voice. You may feel that it is AFM but it's not him. But this Jesus proved every single thing he said. He said, I set the captives free. He made the madman of Gadara in Mark chapter 5. What did he do to the guy? He set him free. Are you with me? So, he fulfilled exactly what Isaiah prophesied. So, that is why in, 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 in um, um, the road to Emmaus, when he met those guys, I'm sure he re referred them back to this scripture again. He said, ah, didn't Isaiah prophesy that, that the Christ, the spirit of the Lord be on He said, yeah, yeah, that's true. He said, ah, but Jesus of Nazareth, the spirit was upon him. He said, mm, that's true. Did he not heal the sick? He said, yes. Did he not preach the gospel? He said, yes. Did he not raise the dead? He said, yes. Did he not do this? He said, yes. Did he not do this? He said, yes. He said, wow. He said, yes. He's the Messiah. Are you with me? So his ministry was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now let's look at something else. His sinlessness was prophesied in the Old Testament. And we see that in the same Isaiah chapter um, 7. Isaiah chapter 7, the one we read where it talks about the fact that a virgin was going to give birth to a son. Verse 16, in the verse 16 it says, For behold, the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Now listen. No human being, the day Adam ate of the tree, eh? in Genesis chapter 3, all human beings had no power over sin. They knew good, but they never chose good. I listen to what I'm saying. I listen to what I'm saying. 
In other words, all men became sinners. All men were sinners, including the baby that was born. Because the Bible is clear that even in your mother's womb, you are a sinner. I follow what I'm saying. There's a, there, there's, there, there's, there, there, there are doctrines out there that say that, you know what, God is called plagianism. I put it, posted it today on Facebook. Plagianism is the doctrine that states that we are all born fresh, just like Adam was born fresh in the garden. He was innocent of sin. Okay? Until we decide to sin. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Are you with me? He said, just as by one man's sin, death reigned unto all men, unto many. And the, the word many there is all. As long as we can count. He said, many. As long as we can count. Are you with me? So, right from Adam, all other men knew good, but they couldn't do good. But he's saying that this child will know evil, but he will not choose evil. He will choose good. Are you following me? That Christ will know evil. And we see that in the book of John. Hello? Are you here? We see that in the book of John. Or, no, no, did I say book of John? The book of Matthew is there. We see that in the book of Matthew. You're welcome. We see that in the book of Matthew, where I don't want to be doing the fulfillment because I have a long, I have long news here. We see that in the book of Matthew, chapter 3 and 4, where the devil, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the Bible says the devil tempted him to sin. Are you with me? He was aware of sin, yet he chose good. Three times, he was tempted with the lust of the flesh, with the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he conquered all these three categories of sin. All kinds of sins are grouped into three categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it's the same sin that Adam fell by. When the woman saw it, she saw that chalet, that thing was, was nice for food. Desire to make one wise. That's um, um, the, the, the pride of life. Are you with me? Maybe we should look at that scripture. Where is it even found? No, no, not that one. Um, John, is it John? Yes, yes, yes. Let's look for it. First John 2 16. First John 2 16. Let's look at it. It says, I'm there. For everything that is in the world, the last, how many things? Everything. The last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you see that? Comes not from the Father, but from the world. Do you see how many of them? The last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now let's go to the book of Genesis. Let me show you something. Look at this. Genesis chapter 3. Verse, um, verse 4. Uh, let's look at verse, five, verse 6. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And it was pleasant to, to the eye. So the tree was good for the food, the last of the flesh. Do you see that? Do you see that? Are you there? Have you seen that in the Bible? The, <laughs> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the last of the flesh, and it was pleasant to the eyes, the last of the eyes, and I can't find the other one. Have I jumped as my eyes deceived me? And uh -huh, ah, I was reading and 
and a tree to be desired to make one wise the pride of life. What did she do? She took of it and ate of it. Let's go to the book of Matthew. That one we won't read it because it's a long text. It's a long text. But let's just talk about it. First of all, the devil, what does the devil tempt him with? The first one is what? He tempts him with food. He said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. The last of the flesh. The last of the flesh. The same thing that happened to Eve. Are you with me? Somebody said the last of the flesh. The same thing that happened to Eve. And the same thing that we all fall by. You, some people can fast. There are some of you who can fast. 10 a.m. you hear some nice aromatic stew moving through your window. That's when you fall. Hey. Are you with me? Somebody say, Ush. Don't pretend, don't pretend like you are Jesus Christ. So he is the only one the Bible said that he will live a sinless life. <laughs> Sometimes when you are fasting, you put the food in the fridge, you pack them. Breakfast in the fridge, the lunch in the fridge, the supper in the fridge. When you are done, you blast all of them together. And you pack your food like a story building. Amen. So the first thing that happened with Jesus was that the man was hungry for 40 days and nights. And the devil comes to him and says, Charlie, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, turn this bread into, turn this stone into bread. Into beef foster. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So we realize that he conquers it. Then the second temptation that the devil gives to him is um, he takes him. What's the second one? Is it? Is it? Is it the pinnacle? The pi- the, is it the, which one was the kingdoms of the world? The second one or the third one? So the second one was on the mountain. He said he should jump down. Oh, let's go. Let's go there anyway. Let's go there. Oi. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Hey, did I, why am I in Mark? So let's look at the first one. The first one is a man shall not live by bread alone. Then the second one is, um, yes, the second one was the one he took him to the pinnacle and said he should jump. Do you see that? Yes. So the pinnacle he said he should jump. Okay? Jump. This is called the pride of life. You are the son of God. Jump. Prove it. It happened to Eve. She couldn't. Desire to make one wise. The pride of life. The desire to become better than any other thing. So, and what happened to Jesus? He said, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then the third one, he took him to the, um, the highest mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The beauty thereof. And said, bow down and worship me and I'll give them to you. The, the last of the eyes. You see somebody's iPad. You see my iPad. Uh, <laughs> and you are like, I wish that this man was dead so that I will inherit his iPad. Hey. <laughs> if I die, bury me with my iPad. <laughs> hey, I'm going there to meet Jesus and we will be, me and Moses will be writing the law on tablets. Hey. The, the what? The last of the eyes. And, and I'm saying this because all of us, one way or the other, we fought to it. We fought to it. No man. Then Isaiah breaks the silence. 
And Isaiah says that. Verse 16, 7, 16. He says, This child shall know to refuse evil and choose good. This was a prophecy of what? His sinlessness, that Christ will be sinless. He will know evil. You will see a, a lady's nice breast and buttocks. Are you with me? Maybe Mary Magdalene and Kobe moving around him. Hey. But still, mm, you are lying. Are you with me? And we see that in the Bible that on countless occasions he was tempted in different, different ways. But still, because it was prophesied that truly this Messiah, this Jesus, will live a sinless life. So we are seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, right? And the next, the last prophecy I want us to talk about is his death, how he was going to die. And I think we talked about that in church on Sunday. So you can write the scriptures down, Psalm 22. Was it Sunday? The prophecies, Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, right? The tape is there, so you can go and get the tape. Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Psalm 22, Psalm 41, Psalm 69. Amen. The second thing we want to look at is, we have talked about what? Jesus in the Old Testament in terms of what? Prophecies. The second thing we want to look at Jesus in the Old Testament in terms, in the form of Christophanies. I'm taking you further and higher. Are you ready? Are you ready for higher things? All right. Christophanies. Somebody say Christophany. All right. Chapter 2. Uh, did I say chapter 2? Point 2. Christo. I didn't say Christopher. Christopher, I'm not talking about you. Christophanies. Jesus in the Old Testament. We are talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. That's our title today. And the point one was Jesus in the Old Testament in the form of what? Prophecies. The second one is Christophanies. What are Christophanies? Let's write this. Christophanies, this is my own definition anyway, are pre-incarnate pre-incarnate appearances of Christ, the Son of God, in the Old Testament. They are pre-incarnate, pre-incarnate, look at how it is spelled too, appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. Appearances of Christ, the Son of God, in the Old Testament. Now, if you have been learning, you realize that there are sometimes to you also see something like a theophany. Okay? You may hear the word theophany. So let me just explain what a theophany is because of Christophany. What is a theophany? A theophany simply means a physical um, appearance of, of God. Okay? A physical appearance of God. That's a theophany. A physical appearance of God. So it's a theophany. A theophany is what? A physical appearance of God in the Old Testament, okay? In the Old Testament. Add that in the Old Testament. I'm saying that just for, by the way, it's not part of the, my, my lecture or my, my sermon this, one, this evening. So it's not part of it. But you just have to, just for you to know. But when we come to the New Testament and we pay close attention to the New Testament, the Bible is, already makes it clear that. Um, do I have that in my nose here? Let me see. So I said, a theophany is simply a physical representation of God in the Old Testament. 
And more of the times, it is evident that it was Christ in the Old Testament. Christophanies appear in the form of what we call the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. Or the captain the angel of the Lord. We are going to look at a number of them, but I think here I gave about, about three Christophanies or so. I can't even find my nose well. Oh boy, I can't find it. It's confusing. How many did I give? Okay, three, 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 three. Now, are you ready? So, um, when we talk about Christophany, Actually, the first story we are going to look at is more of like a theophany, but when you study the Fed, I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't just a theophany, it was a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, okay? Okay? So when we say pre-incarnate, incarnation simply means God becoming a man, okay? By a natural means, that is a virgin giving birth to what happened to Jesus in the New Testament, okay? But in the Old Testament, it's a pre, it, when we say pre, it means that it is yet to happen, but these were just short, short appearances of Christ. Just to tell us that one day Christ was going to what? Appear. Are you with me? Are you here with me? And there are so many in the Bible, but most of the time when you are reading the Old Testament and you come across a phrase like the angel of the Lord with angel as capital or sometimes even the angel of the Lord. Okay? The angel of the Lord. It is, it is, it is, it is Christ. It's not, a, it's not a normal angel. You find this. Sometimes it could be just, just this, of you see the Lord in capitals. Okay? I follow you. Sometimes you can also find out that it's just Lord like this with the angel made capital. It's Christ. Yes. And I'll give you the notes, but we won't look at them so much because the notes, the, the scriptures here we are going to look at. So what am I talking about? I'm saying Jesus in the Old Testament in the form of what? Christophany. Somebody say Christophany. What is a Christophany? A pre-incarnate appearance of what? Christ. Where? In the Old Testament. We are saying that in the Old Testament, there were times that Christ appeared to men, but they didn't know it was Christ. Because they had already heard that the seed would come, but Charlie, they didn't have an idea that Charlie, he had come to join them and have a nice time to go back. And we are going to look at a number of them. And I want you to understand that. Let me show you something. Before, before I teach you this, let me show you something in the, in the, in the Bible before I teach you this, okay? Are you ready? When I say Christophany, in the book of John, chapter 1, John chapter 1, let's go there quick, 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 then we continue. All right. Are you there? I'm looking for that text. Give me a minute. Verse 18. Verse 18, what does it say? No, for no man has yet seen God at any time. Do you know no man? No man is English oh. It's a universal statement of negative. Are you with me? No man has yet seen God at any time. How many times? Any time. It means that in the Old Testament, whoever said he saw God or whatever, he's saying that no man has yet ever seen God at how many times? Any time. Uh -huh. What does John say? Verse 18. I can't find it. 18. The only
only begotten son, which is the bosom in the bosom of the father heart, declared him. Simple. John is saying that for no man has yet seen God except the son. In other words, he's saying that if any man has ever seen God, it was the son they saw. Are you with me? So that should cast you back to the Old Testament. Every time you saw anyone that said, and I saw God, I wrestled with God. I, I, God spoke to me face to face. God appeared to me. Who did they see? Who did they see? <laughs> ah, my God, my God, my God, my God. Are you with me? I said, who did they see? Jesus. Because in the, in the, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter Exodus 33 verse 10. It says that God was talking to Moses and said, for no man will see me face to face and live. If a man sees me, he will die. So if a man sees me, it must be who? The son. It is only the son that a man can see and live. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm giving you this foundation because we are going back to the Old Testament. So I've already proved to you. And again, when we look at Colossians, I think to, on Sunday we are talking about Colossians. Let's go to Colossians again. Was it Colossians? Or it was Corinthians? Which of them? Yeah, I know of the Colossians one, but there was another one too that we read, but I've forgotten it. Anyway, let's use the Colossians one. Eh? What is it? 15. Okay. Um... Let's start from verse Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God? He said that God, he said God cannot be seen. Have you seen that? God cannot be what? You can't see God. But he says that the only way we can see God is by seeing what? Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following the, the narrative? So the only way we can see God is by seeing what? Jesus. So if anyone saw God in the Old Testament, who did they see? Jesus. But they didn't know it was Jesus. So they gave him some title. An angel of the Lord. They said, because some of them said, the captain of, the, in the book of Joshua. He said, the captain, he said, I am the captain of the Lord's army. And the captain there is capital. Do you think cap, cap, normal captain should be? You said, this is the Jesus we are talking about. Are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? So, Paul is already telling us that the God is invisible and Christ is that image. Now, the, let, 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 let's, um, 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 there's a part I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for, give me a minute. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Is it here, is it here, is it here, is it here? Sometimes the scriptures, they just blow up in my mind. Who else has that kind of experience? That the scriptures sometimes blow up in your mind. Eh? Let's go to the chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 2. I'm looking for the part where he talks about aha, 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 aha. Before that, I'm looking for that part. Where is it? I know this one, the verse 8. Verse chapter 2, verse, verse 9 instead. But he says that, for it pleased God that the, the whole Godhead should dwell in him. I, forgot, I think it's in Corinthians. I think that's the Corinthians one. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right, let's look at verse 8. For he said, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay. Now, see, having said this and having already laid the foundation that no man has ever seen God except Christ, that no man can see God but Christ. It means that if any man ever saw God, who did they see? Who did they see? Who did they see? If any man ever saw God, who did they see? If any man ever had an encounter with God, who did they see? 
Because why is that so? Because the Bible says that Christ is the what? The express image of the Father. It means that. That's, uh -huh, that's Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. No, Hebrews 1 3. Let's go to Hebrews 1 3. I just record that scripture. Hebrews 1 3. What does it say? Who is the brightness of his glory? Have you seen it? And the express image of his person. The express what? Image. It means that every time God wants to show himself as Christ, every time God wants people to know him as Christ, every time God comes out of his, his secret place, it is Christ that is coming out. It means that God himself never comes out. When I say God himself, I mean, I, mean, I mean that the Godhead never comes out. Okay? I mean the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Godhead never comes out. Anytime the Godhead wants to do something, who comes out? It is Christ. So in the Old Testament, we have physical appearances of God. And, and that's why I'm saying that, me, I see that all theophanies are Christophanies because it is clear in scripture that Christ is the express image. If they ever saw anything, it was what? Christ. Are you with me? So that's what I'm saying. All theophanies are Christophanies. All appearances of God in the Old Testament are appearances of Christ. Let's start from one. Genesis. Don't you like Genesis? Is the message going well? Am I teaching good? Am I trying? I'm trying because I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. The first example we want to look at is the three angels who appeared unto Abraham. Genesis chapter 18 verse 1 to 3. The three angels. The three angels. The three men who appeared to Abraham. The first example is Abraham. Who is there? 18 verse 1. What does it say? And the Lord. The Lord there is what? Capital what? Capital letter. That is what? The Godhead. Okay? I am. I mean, God, God. Not just God, God himself. Senior man, senior man himself. Do you see that? Good. The Lord did what? Appeared. The Lord did what? Appeared. Now, the word appeared there is the word expressed. You know I don't like doing Greek and Hebrew, so I won't show you the Greek word, the Hebrew word. So, you can go and look it up. The word appeared there is the Lord expressed himself. Who does the Bible say is the express? <laughs> so he said and Yahweh and God did what express himself unto Abraham where in the plains of Mamre and he said and Abraham did what sat at where the tenth door in the heat of the day the whole place was hot he came out to sit at his tenth door no AC I pity Abraham me they have AC <laughs> and I have fun no fun oh Abraham sorry oh these people didn't have fancy aces, but they were seeing God. We have aces and we are not seeing him. Hey, Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> and he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tenth door and bowed toward the ground and said, my Lord. See the mind there. What is the writing of the title? How is the mind spelled? Capt have you seen? Do you see that? That's what my, that mind there is capital because this is no ordinary lord. You know, when the, the people are, the people who wrote, when Moses was writing the Old Testament, he was very careful because you know that he's writing history that has already happened. So he knows that the one who appeared to them was 
Uh -huh. So when Abraham was saying, my Lord, he wasn't just saying, normal, my Lord. So he has to write it with capital what? M. My Lord. As my Lord as a title. If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Amen. And you realize that when you... Should we continue reading? Let's go to verse, um, verse, 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 verse 20. No, let's go to verse, verse 18 or something. Oh, boy. Verse 18, what does it say? Verse 17. I'm looking for the place. Where Okay, okay, that's it. It's just continuing the story just like that. Let's go to verse 17. Let's go. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that which thing I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, he says three men. And we, when you keep reading, you realize that the other two men were normal angels. Okay? Because he talks about when you read, you see that it was small letter angels, normal angels. And they were the ones that he was chatting with them and, and, and said, Charlie, should I hide this thing from Abraham? Because this guy is a good guy. He commands his, his, his children after me. And then beside that, you'll be a great nation. And I, I, don't feel, I don't see why I have to hide this from you. And the lesson we also learned from this, even though it's not part of our, our message, is that when you become a friend of God, he doesn't keep things from you. Are you with me? And that is why we must desire to get closer to God. I was chatting with Edgar this morning. I told, was it this morning, yesterday, whatever. I told him that, look, knowledge of God is, is life. I said, theology is life. We're not, we are not talking about theoretical things. We are talking about ex the, the experience of the word, the knowledge. And we can't know God without scripture. Are you with me? Are you here with me? Yes. Oh, the way you are sitting, are you angry? Should we close the service? Hey, Christopher, the way you are even seated is even making me angry. Sit well. And I'm saying that knowledge of God is, is, is so precious. It's, it's a beauty that. Oh. My God, my God. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after me, and that they shall keep the way of the Lord, and to do justice and judgment, and the Lord, and that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, the, you see that he's talking about, he's looking, he's talking about in the form of a third person. This is this person talking about third person. Don't say the one who was speaking was in the Lord, because he says it here that the Lord was speaking, and he's saying the Lord will do this. In other words, the Lord who was on earth speaking was saying that. You know, I can't hide this thing from Abraham because my father. Because Moses didn't know the father. Are you aware? We rather know that there is Trinity, there is Father, there is Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there is the one who plans, there is the one who executes, there is the one who seals. We know it. Are you with me? So Abraham is not the son. Jesus is talking and saying, shall I hide this thing? Because you know that my father, now the Lord in the verse 19 is what? The father. That the father may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Do you see that? Do you see that? Because we now know that it is what? The father. Oh, do you get it? Do you get it? Let's go. And the Lord said, because the... Hey, have I jumped? Okay. That now he's now going to tell because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is grievous, I will go down now 
and see whether they have gone all together according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Do you see that? So the angels went, and we know in the verse 9, chapter 19, that when they went, they went to sleep with them and said, Angels, two angels. Are you aware? Now, notice what he says. He said, I will go down. I will go what? I will go what? Who comes down except the sun? In the Godhead, I'm seeing in the Godhead, when I'm talking about the God, I'm talking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The one who comes down as the express image of God is the Son. So let's say, let me give you a nice story. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in heaven. They are enjoying themselves and they are partying in heaven and they are partying in heaven. Then the sins of some group of people is coming down, coming down. Then the Father said, boy, the way the thing is going in there, we have to go down and see what's going on there. Even though they are omniscient anyway, they already know. But it's just for luxury. <laughs> Are you with me? For luxury. And also just because he had to fulfill all righteousness to come so that this can become a, a part of scripture. This can become a part of a story that today Micah will come and teach it in church. Are you with me? So they had to usually have to come anyway, even though he was away. Are you with me? So the father, the son, and they are away. Now who has to come? When the father, son, and, and the Holy Spirit agree, who comes? The son. So this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, now I will go down. Now I will go where? I will go down and see for myself. I'm coming down to see for myself. And I've already given you a foundation of the scriptures. Haven't I given you? That any time God comes down, is Jesus. And you're also aware that when Jesus is coming again, it's not the Father who is coming. It is nowhere in the scripture that the Father is coming. He is not coming anywhere. It is Jesus. Me, I don't even know if in heaven we will see the Father. I'm not aware. I'm not sure. Me, I, my theology, I'm not sure. If in heaven we will see the Father or the Holy Ghost, it's the Son. No man. How many men? Man. So in heaven we will still see the old man. <laughs> because you are, you are aware that in heaven too we will be men. <laughs> so still we will see the Father. <laughs> so they were asking Jesus. He said, show us the Father. And he said, oh boy, he was seeing me as seeing the father. Why? Anytime the father wants to come down, I'm the one who comes. Anytime the father wants to show himself, I'm the one who comes. This is what when we begin to, this is the same thing. The way we are feeling about the text of scripture is the same way the guys at the road of Emmaus fell. They said, didn't our hearts move in us? <laughs> hey! He said, while he was speaking to us, in teaching us the scriptures, didn't something happen to our hearts? They say, yeah. I feel some way. I feel something doing me. me. <laughs> and something was moving inside of me when we were talking about Jesus. They say he's like Mohammed. No. No. They say he's like Kwame Nkrumah. I went to school. They were telling Kwame I was sleeping. And they were talking about Kwame. Nothing moved me. Nothing what? I was even angry. I was in a hurry to go. Are you with me? Yes, Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. He said, I will do what? I will go where? Down. So I'm saying that the three men that appeared unto Abraham, the one of them was the son of God. 
a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. But they didn't know, they didn't know this was the, the, the seed of the woman <laughs> coming to do excursion before he comes. They didn't know. So the reason Moses didn't mention, Moses would have, if Moses were to live in a time where to write this book, he would have simply said, in Jesus. Are you with me? He would have simply said, in Jesus. So when Paul is writing, or Peter, or any of them is writing, they now just say it clear. They say, ah, it was Jesus. Are you with me? Now let me show you something beautiful that I, I, I usually say every time, that you may have never seen. Or maybe if you have seen, I'm the one who showed it to you anyway. Verse 24, 19 verse 24. 1924. Then the Lord God reigned, what? Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. This is a logic. If you have common sense, you'll be able to understand this. Okay? We already know that. Look here. We already know that there's a Lord... Jesus, don't beat me, yo. Jesus, don't beat me, yo. There's a Lord on earth. And we already know the only Lord that comes on earth is the Son. Sodom and Gomorrah is there. What does he say? He said, the Lord on earth, Lord A, who is the Son, what did he do? Rain down fire and brimstone from the Lord where? Out of heaven. This what happened. This is a logic. That means that there were two Lord. Is it in your Bible? He said the Lord on earth did what? He rained down fire and brimstone from the Lord out of heaven. In the Bible, who is the Lord out of heaven? The Father. The Father. The father. Look, when you know scriptures, you don't say nonsense. You don't say nonsense. You don't say what? You don't say nonsense. Why am I saying that? You know that people say that, oh, you know, eh, God, Christ is loving. But the father was the one who was wicked. The father was the one, let me tell you, the one who parted the ground and swallowed 3,000 people in the time of Moses is Jesus. And he's saying that who brought the fire down? Jesus. You were a joke. In the New Testament, eh, Paul is telling us in the New Testament, he came to reconcile. That is why in Philippians chapter 2, he says that he puts away one side of him down. The side of him that caused down fire. It was the side of him that he put down. Who being the form of God, did not count it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation. What is that? The Lord who caused down fire. Jesus, it's not even the father who brought the fire. It was the son who brought the fire. The son made the fire to come. It was Jesus. It's, it's, it's not in your Bible. Am I the one saying it? Is it not in your Bible? When you don't say nonsense. They will say, they will, you know, people want to make God look nice. They want to make God look nice. They want to defend God. They don't want to understand scripture. You think if God is killing sinners and destroying sinners, he's been bad. He's been good. It was a good thing that Saddam Hussein was killed. That, that Adolf Hitler was killed. It was a good thing. It's called a necessary evil. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, we won't do philosophy right now. We won't do philosophy of the problem of evil right now. One day we'll do that. 
He, Jesus is the one who caught fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why I said that. We must allow God open our eyes to the text of scripture. The day I was reading, I said, ah, I have no one has ever read this scripture to me. No one has ever showed, taught me it. Like, I have read this book, read it, read it, read it. I have never seen this scripture. I'm telling you, I have never. You know, sometimes we read it and we don't pay attention to it all. And I think exactly what Jesus was doing is the same thing he was doing when he met those two guys on the road to Emmaus. He said, you know what? I'm the one who brought down fire from heaven. Then, uh, then he, was, he said, really? He said, ah, didn't I teach you that we are Trinity? He said, yeah, the Father is there. The Son is there. And I'm the Son. And the Holy Spirit is there. He said, yeah. And you are aware that any time the Son wants to come, God wants to come, it's me. So who do you think it was there? He said, yeah, it was me. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, it was me. I'm the one who brought down fire. It doesn't change him from being the Christ. Are you with me? Because Revelation tells me that the same Christ, what would he do? Will drag people into hell. He said, I am coming again. And this time he's not coming like what? A nice guy. Because when he came 2,000 years ago, he came as a guy who was coming, a God who was coming to reconcile men. So he didn't come as a judge. But if, when he's coming again, all who don't accept him, he will bring fire the same way. Brimestone and fire. And the lake of fire is made up of brimestone and fire. Burning forever. And that was Jesus right there. Philip, you're welcome. That was what? Speaking tongues, just a few minutes. Kamba sala kaba. Hey, skebron dele kabara sande kobrande skebadaya. Lebembre kebamba rasaka bambroska babambra dasa babamba raba. Reba bamba raba raba bamba raba bara pamba raba bamba raba ya. Lebrem papa rabamba raba bambere bamba raba ba. Lebembre bembembe rakapamba raba ba. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May our eyes be open. May we see. May we hear. In the name of Jesus. I want to show you another Christophany in the Bible. This time around, he appeared as the angel of the Lord. Genesis chapter 16, verse the Hagar encounter. You can call it the Hagar encounter. The first one is the Abraham encounter, the second one is the Hagar encounter. You know the story? Abraham sacks Hagar, gives him water and some wine or something with his son Ishmael and sends him away. And the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Unto her. 16 verse 7. Are you there? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? 16 verse 7 to 24. The whole story is there. We will not read it because we have to go. The second one is the war against the Assyrians in 2 Kings 19.35. The war against the Assyrians in 2 Kings 19.35. That one, it says that, and it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians and hundred first score and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, 
they were all dead corpses. So Jesus, the angel of the Lord. Now, I told you that. When you see, in the Bible, when you are reading, you see an angel. You see, yes, and an angel came. And an angel, and an angel, and an angel. That's how he communicates. And an angel, okay? More of the times, when you see the capital, definite article, the angel of the Lord, it means that this is a specific messenger. Now, you must also understand that angel doesn't necessarily mean that something that is created. Are you aware? Because I, I, some time ago, I don't know whether it was here or somewhere, I was teaching that. When we say an angel, an angel simply means what? A messenger. That's why in Hebrews he said, are they no ministering spirits? He said, so it means that <coughs> some spirits are created like I'm also an angel. So when Obinim says he's an angel, it's illiterate that say that he's wrong. Okay? Uh -huh, it's illiterate. When we say angel, angel doesn't mean somebody that has wings. We are, we are, you must tell which kind of angel. Is it God's angel in terms of angel, spirit angel, or we are talking about angel in terms of simple a messenger. When Muhammad sends somebody here, if, if I'm trying to be a normal grammarian, I'll just say Muhammad's angel. It means that Muhammad's what? Messenger. Are you with me? And Christ is the messenger of God. I follow what I'm saying. Christ is the messenger of God. In the book of Malachi chapter, chapter 4, there's a scripture in Malachi chapter 4, the last word. He said, and I will send the messenger of the covenant before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Christ is the messenger of God in the sense that he is the one who comes to communicate God to us. To give us the gospel. Christ is the one who brings God to us. He brings and he's the... When he says mediator, when the Bible says Christ is a mediator, it's the same thing as messenger. He's the one who brings the message of God to us and takes the message of mankind to God. So John says, no man has ever seen God except the son. So the son is the one who brings God to us and is the one who takes us to God. That is the reason why when you sin, the Bible says we have an advocate who has not, he, doesn't, he hasn't been touched, he has been touched with all forms of of, he has been tempted in, with all forms of infirmities and, and our, our, our shortcomings. Are you with me? He said that Christ has, has, has faced all kinds of problems that we have faced. Yet still. So because of that, he's a mediator. So when sometimes something is happening, he communicates with a Godhead. He said, you know what? When I was on earth, I know how this thing feels. It feels good, pa. This thing too. It's, it's, it's so sure, simple. And, and now I'm just saying it in, 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 for Sunday school people to understand. But the, the Father already has experienced all things from eternity past to eternity past. Uh-huh. So Christ telling him doesn't do anything, but I'm just saying so that you understand, okay? Uh-huh. So, so he communicates humanity to God and communicates divinity to humanity. Following? So that's what we mean by saying that Christ is the messenger of the Lord. So you see in the Old Testament, you see the angel. It's not there. It's a definite article meaning that we can find that angel. And that angel is not Gabriel. That's why in the Bible, when you see any time Gabriel appears, they say Gabriel. Okay? When Michael appears, they say Michael. And Gabriel and Michael are the only angels mentioned in the Bible. So all other ones, we can't trust them because they are not in the Bible. That's why you never hear me mention their names. Uriel, all those guys. They are not true. I don't believe them. Amen. So Hagar's encounter the war against the Assyrians. And then there's a scripture in the book of Joshua. Um, I forgot where it is. Chapter 3 or so. 
Where Joshua means a captain. Joshua means a captain of the Lord's army, and the captain says, Are you for us or are you against us? He says, Oh, Charlie, I'm for you, I'm with you. Amen. Who knows where the scripture is because I can't find it. And then they were going against a war. It's at the latter part of one of the chapters. Yes, yes, chapter chapter five. Chapter five. Verse, verse 13. He says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man. You see, he says, A man. That's pre incarnate, Christophany. A man against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And look at this. And Joshua fell on his feet to the earth and did worship. And said unto him, What said my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from out thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the same experience that, that happened to uh, Moses in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Exodus chapter 3, where God appears and that part the angel of the Lord that appeared in that part is Christ and Christ was telling him that take off your sandals you see when you understand scripture you see that the whole thing they connect with one another you see that they connect they don't contradict they connect they, they, they complement one another in the scriptures amen okay let's go to point three. Point three, point three, point three. Point three. want to look at typologies typology the third the third appearances of Christ in, in scripture. The first one is prophecies. The second one is what? Christophanies. The third one is typologies. Now the Christophanies, there are so plenty. There are so many. But I just have to give you just this, these few ones. Typology. What is a typology? A typology. Are you ready? A typology is any person or anything in the Old Testament which serves as a foreshadow of any person or anything in the New Testament. Let me explain. We are saying that a typology is any person in the Old Testament who looks like someone in the New Testament. I follow what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. A good example could even be um, Elijah. Elijah and John the Baptist. Okay? Elijah and John the Baptist. But that is not what we are, I'm teaching today anyway. But I'm just giving a, an example, okay? I'm saying that a typology is any person or anything that foreshadows, it serves as a shadow of the real thing. So we have Old Testament, we have New Testament, okay? Look here. Look here. The, news, the message will be there so you can listen to the recording again. We are saying that there is Old Testament, there is a New Testament. When we find a person in the Old Testament who serves as a, a shadow of a real person, when we say a real person with a specific assignment in the New Testament, okay, that person serves as a typology of the real thing. 
Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? A typology is like saying a synthetic, synthet. Okay? Or a refer. Replica is not even the right way. A replica is like a copy. A replica can be the same thing. Uh, a replica can be the same. This is a replica of this. They are the same. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, uh, what do we call it? What did I say? What is the word I used? A synthetic. Because we have original, we have synthetic. Synthetic means not organic. It's not original. Or, um, what other word did I use? Uh, not, not mirage. Refer. Okay, like we have original Samsung and we have a refer. So, the refer usually is called prototype. Okay, the right word is prototype. It's not refer. A prototype is just something that is used as a test. We create it so that you see how the thing will look like. So that when you see this one, you'll be like, aha, uh -huh, this is how it will, be, it will be like. Are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? Aha. Uh -huh. Like in the Old Testament, the temple, the whole temple that was described is in the New Testament is a prototype of us, of the believer. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh -huh. That's why you say that now God lives in us, but in the Old Testament, God was living where? In quote, in the, the, the temple. Or in the tabernacle. Do you see that? So the tabernacle is more like, is, or the, 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 the temple, tabernacle is the moving temple. The movable temple, it was just a tent, okay? While the temple is the built, the one Solomon built. He built it in the same way the tabernacle was, okay? Good. So we are saying that in, in typology, we are looking at something in the Old Testament that's foreshadows. When we say foreshadows, it throws little lights. For something that is about to happen in the New Testament. And there are so many. I don't know where to even start from. Let me see. Where do I start from? The lamp in the garden. The first one is the lamp in the garden. It's a typology. The lamp in the garden. Let's go quick, fast, fast, fast so that I can finish. The lamp in the garden. Genesis 3 verse 21. Genesis 3 21. The lamp in the garden. Genesis 3 21. The lamp in the garden. Write Genesis 3.21 and write Revelation 13.8. Have you written? Genesis 3.21 says that God did something. He said unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Okay? What did the Lord God do? He made clothes of skin and clothe them. And because of Adam's sin, an innocent animal had to be killed. To cover his nakedness. I follow what I'm saying. An innocent, animals was, an innocent animal was killed to cover the nakedness of Adam. Because we already realized that after this was after they had sinned and God had already preached the gospel to them. Genesis 3 um, 15. Have you seen that? And in 21, they had believed. So the covering of the animal skin was a shadow or a typology of the death of Christ, the works of Christ that were going to serve as a covering for our sins. That Christ was one day going to die and Christ's death and Christ's righteousness was going to be imputed on us. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why when we come to Christ, when we believe in Christ, do you know what happens? God imputes the righteousness of Christ on us. It's the same thing that happened to an innocent animal. Are you with me? An innocent animal is killed and the skin of the anim animal is covered 
on Adam and Eve. In the same way, in the New Testament, an innocent man is killed and his righteousness is given to me. His opportunities is given to me. That he was the only one who could go to the, could go to the Father, go to the Holy of Holies. Now, me too. I can go to God. I can go God my Father. An innocent man who didn't have to die for me still died for me. And that is what happened in the lamb in the garden. And we see that in Revelation 13 verse 8 where it says that for the lamb was slain from the beginning of the world. And we know where the lamb was slain. Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. So the killing of the animal was what? A typology. Somebody say typology. typology. Somebody say typology. typology. Exactly. Something that will serve as a shadow into true life. And I believe that when Jesus was talking today, he said, ah, don't you remember the lamb that was slain? That was me. <laughs> that was me. I follow what I'm saying. The next typology is Abel, the righteous and innocent one. Abel, the righteous and innocent one. Two people go to offer an offering and one person's offering was accepted and his brother kills him. And the Bible says that his blood spoke for vengeance. Are you with me? In Genesis chapter 4 verse 2 and Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. Genesis 4 verse 2 downwards, it talks about the offerings that unto Cain, the Lord did not, was not pleased with Cain's offering, but Abel's offering, was, he was pleased with it. And in the same vein, in the Old Testament, all men, not including all men, were never pleased before God without faith in the gospel. No man ever was justified before God, was made righteous in the, in the Old Testament or today without faith. That's why in Hebrews 11, it says, but without faith, it is in what? It is what? Impossible. So how was, and even he talks about Abel, he said by faith, Abel. Do you see that? So we are talking about the fact that Abel was a righteous man in the sense that he's, he was accepted. And his brother, out of envy and jealousy, did what? Killed him. In the New Testament, Christ is the only one who is righteous. And out of envy and, and jealousy, his own brothers killed him. His own countrymen killed him. And who are his countrymen? The Jews, they killed Christ. And his blood fell to the ground. And the Bible says that his blood spoke. In Hebrews chapter um, 12, 24 says that, and of the blood of Jesus, that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks for our, our holiness, towards our holiness, towards our sanctification, towards our justification, towards our new birth. It serves as our remission of sins. So Abel's blood was able to speak. It was a shadow that if a human being's blood can speak, then the, pre -in the incarnation of Christ, his blood can speak for many men. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? Yes. And so Abel's death, Abel's life, his death, his blood was a typology of what would happen in the New Testament in the life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Which typology again should I give? Okay, let's go. Moses. Moses is a type of Christ. In the Old Testament. Moses is a typology of Christ in the Old Testament. <laughs> you 
He said, Moses bared witness of me. He wasn't lying, was he? He wasn't. Can we start now? Are you ready? All right. Why do I say so? Because when we look at the life of Moses, you can get the story of Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 1. Right from the beginning of Exodus chapter 1, they begin to tell a story. Okay? What happened at his birth? In, at his birth, Pharaoh was angry and Pharaoh was killing babies. All babies of his age should be killed. How many babies? All babies of his age. He was the only one in his generation. He, he was the only one. That means that uh, in, his, in, <laughs> in, in Moses' time, he was the only one who was 80, 40 years in his time. That means no one in the whole, in, in, in all the Israel, no single one was 40 years. In, when Moses was 40 years. Do you get what it means? When Moses was 12 years, Moses was the only 12-year-old human being alive in Israel. What does it mean? It means he was singled out. And the same thing happened to Jesus. In the time of Jesus, he was the only... Do you know that when Jesus was 30 years, there was no, no, no single Jew <laughs> that lived in that vicinity in Palestine during the time of Herod, who was born the same time. There was no single because, as a matter of fact, not even, there was no one. That was 29 years. That was 30 years. That was 31 years when Jesus was 30 years because they killed children from 3 years, 4 years, one year, two days, they killed all of them. So Jesus didn't have classmates. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't have classmates. He didn't have age mates. He was the only age mate in his class. <laughs> Are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? And when we look at Moses, the same thing happened to Moses. He had no classmates. He had no age mates. No single age mate. That Moses will meet somebody and say, you know what, I'm 26 years. And Moses, and the guy will say, me too, I'm 26 years. It didn't happen in, in, in Moses' life. In the whole of Israel, he didn't have a single person that was his age mate because they killed all of them. And only Moses was rescued. So we see that in what? In his birth. Do you see that? Are you with me? And then also, we see that he is taken into Egypt. While he's a baby. And we see that in the book of Matthew, where when Herod wanted to kill him, the Bible says that an angel appeared to um, Joseph and told him to take Jesus into Egypt. And he did exactly the same thing. He was taken into Egypt until a time appointed where he was brought out. I follow what I'm saying. And again, we also see a typology in this same Moses in terms of his call and his ministry. His call and his ministry. Let me explain. In his call and his ministry, Moses was called in Genesis chapter 3. The Bible said, God said, I have made you a God. In the whole Bible, it's the only one that God said, I have made you a God. Now, the word, I have made you a God, simply means I have given you authority. That's all. Okay? Moses' whole ministry was about deliverance. The, you see, the gospel that um, Jesus preached in, in, in Isaiah 61, and also Luke chapter 4. If you look at that book, you read that whole story, you see that the same thing applies to Moses. He was in the wilderness. Where was Jesus? In the wilderness. He left the wilderness and came down and said, you know what, the Lord appeared to me. He said, let my people go that they may 
come and save me. When Jesus left from the wilderness, the first message he was, repent for the kingdom of God. It has, it's at, his ministry began after the wilderness. Moses' ministry began after the wilderness. Are you with me? And Moses came, comes and he defends God's people and he re redeems them. Are you following what I'm saying? He redeems them into the promised land. And he serves as a protection over Israel. Moses was like, he was rather the, the whole, he was the, the whole guy. So much that the New Testament, they said those people were baptized into Moses. Hey! Like, you can baptize, I baptize you in the name of Moses. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? So, Moses is a typology of Christ in the Old Testament. His life, his ministry, and even his death. His death. You know what the Bible says that they didn't find his body because the Bible says for the Lord took him. The Lord buried him himself. The Lord led him to a place. They never found the body of Moses. They never found his body. Are you with me? And it is also Jesus that his body is not in the grave. They, no man can find his body. We don't have his bones on earth. Moses too, the same thing. We don't have what? His bones. Anyway, they never found his bones. And that place wasn't a place that he couldn't get, he could, he could just go and die and they, they went and searched out and they didn't find him. So Moses was just, a, I told you that these guys are shadows of the real thing. They are what? Shadows of what? The real thing. The real thing that was going to happen when God himself had, would step into the form of a flesh. That's why the gospel of John is so powerful. John just wrote something that is so powerful. He said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, now, this is no more typology. This is the real thing. The real thing has come. This is no Moses. The real thing. That's what Jesus said. All that came before me were thieves and robbers. He included Moses. He included what? Moses. He said, Moses is a thief and a robber in the sense that Moses himself was a shadow of the real thing. He couldn't. He couldn't save the people. He only attempted. He just, his life lived as an attempt. A shadow of the real thing. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And he expounded the scriptures. It's not beautiful. It's not powerful. Let's look at the next typology. We are almost going. We are going gradually. The next one is Joseph. It's a type of Christ. Joseph is a type of Christ. Are we together? Joseph is a typology of Christ who his birth is anticipated for a long time because Jacob gets married to Rahel. Actually, Jacob married four wives. Now, Rahel was his most beloved. Okay? So we will take Rahel like Israel. Okay? And he had been anticipating for a child. 
for a long time the child was never coming. Are you following what I'm saying? In the same vein, Israel were anticipating for the Messiah a long time, waiting for him never coming. Are you following what I'm saying? And finally, Rahel gives birth to, or Rachel gives birth to Joseph. And the father, the Bible says that, the father loved him more than all his sons. And for his father's love, his own brothers had hatred for him. And the Bible says that he was given a coat of many colors as a sign of love. Hey. Is it your Bible where he says that? Wherefore, has God exalted him and given him a name above every other name? At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, and of those on the earth, and of those beneath the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. It's a, the real thing. But in the Old Testament, he gave him a shirt and said, This boy, just the same way when Jesus was being baptized, the voice came and said, This is my beloved son. He said, This is my beloved son, and this is a sign of it. Coat of many colors. And the Bible says his, beloved, his brothers hated him. And what did they do? They beat him and they threw him into a pit. And when they didn't succeed, they sold him out into captivity. And we see Joseph as a, as a typology of the suffering servant who at the end of his life becomes the savior of his people. Okay? The savior of his people in the sense that all his life is about suffering from his father. Even in his father's house, they were beating him and bullying him. First, he had a dream. They beat him. They hated him for his dreams. They bullied him. Second dream, they bullied him. Finally, they said, here comes the dreamer. They killed him. They, they, they sold him to. He goes into Pilate's house. He's tempted to sin and he doesn't sin. It doesn't mean that he's not a sinner anyway because we already know that. Uh -huh. But... He's tempted to fornicate. That's what I'm saying. These guys are our shadows of the real thing. He's tempted to fornicate and say, you, instead of me to fornicate, you would rather take my shirt. And he leaves his shirt and he runs away. Giving up everything. And that is exactly what Christ did. Are you with me? And he's taken into prison. From prison, even in the prison, he's prime minister there. I would admit, and the Bible also teaches that when Christ died, he led the captives free. He went, I don't know, I, I don't know whether that theology is right or is not right anyway, whether Christ went to hell or he didn't go to hell, any of them. Maybe let's just assume that he went to hell. If he went to hell, if he went to hell, the Bible doesn't teach that anyway, but it doesn't teach that. But if he went to hell anyway, but it is popularly thought that he went to hell, but it's one of the controversies in, 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 in the scriptures. It's something that Theologians are torn apart, okay? Christians are torn apart. Whether Christ went to hell or he didn't go to hell, whether he went to hell or he didn't go to hell, okay? Uh -huh. Any of them, but we stood, yeah, I don't know. So let's just assume that he went to hell. If he went to hell, while in hell, he led the captives free in hell. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He prophesied a man of coming out of prison. Are you aware? He told him, in three days' time, you are coming out of this place. And how many days did Jesus come out? 
<laughs> and when he was coming out, you know that Joseph didn't live there, but Joseph prophesied a guy coming out in three days and being restored. And in three days, the guy was removed from prison and was restored. I will. Then finally, when we go, we first of all realize that somebody recommends Joseph and Joseph comes out of prison and Joseph becomes a prime minister. He's rich. Then there is famine for his hometown. There's famine in his hometown in Palestine and every person, people are dying of thirst and hunger. And his, his brothers come and he reveals himself to his brothers. Okay? And now when you do eschatology, you, you, you find out that the revealing of Jesus to his brothers is Something that will happen has happened, a part of it has happened, but a portion happened to Israel per se, where you know the Israelites that believe that the Messiah is here to come. But by the time they realize his second coming has come, and, 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 and it's a whole lot of things in the eschatology, that's where they realize that okay, those who believe in, in rapture and premillennialism says that Christ will, there will be a rapture, and when the rapture happens, that is when um, the Jews will realize, ha, so the Christ really came. And that was, that's where they will, he will be revealed to them, and that's where they will be um, meant to go through tough trials, and if they accept to go through, and then they would what? They would be saved. You are not confused, are you confused? Uh-huh. Then they will be saved. So, but in the, in, the, in the case of Joseph, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and that's exactly what Jesus did in the Gospels, where he reveals himself after his death and all of that, and they accept him. So we realize that from his life to the point of his elevation, to become the right hand of Pharaoh, Jesus also, from his birth, sits at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. That at his right hand, he now calls his brothers and his sisters to come and enjoy goodness with him. That there is famine in the land and people are dying and people are being destroyed. But Joseph says, I'm the richest in Egypt. The mightiest in Egypt. Come and enjoy. Go and bring my brother and bring my younger and bring my father. Bring my family members. Let them come and enjoy with me. In the New Testament, we see that this is exactly what is happening. Christ is calling us to come into the kingdom. And Christ is calling us to come and experience the life of the Father. And he's saying, bring my brothers. And bring my sisters. And bring my mothers. And bring my fathers. Let them come and enjoy life eternal. With me, with my Father. And this is exactly what Christ was doing to them on the road to Emmaus. He was explaining that they, they were like, wow, this is powerful. So Joseph is a type of Jesus, a type of Christ. He said, yes, a type of Christ. Hunger is killing people out there. They hunger for salvation. They hunger for God. And you know, Jesus lifted up one day, he lifted up his voice. He said, that in the great day, that day of the feast, he lifted up his voice and said, Lord, anyone that is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He was calling them. All that are hungry, let them come. I'll give them the bread of life. And it's the same invitation Joseph was giving to his family. He said, go and come and abide here with me. So Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. 
Amen. Let's look at the, the fourth one, then we go. The fourth one is Christ is revealed in symbols. Now, when I was preparing my notes, I, I was confused. And I wanted to call one or two people, but I didn't know who to call. Because there's something that I knew they won't know it, so I didn't call some people. I wanted to call some, but I knew somebody I was going to call. The difference between types and symbols. So you find out that the list I'm about to give to you, some of them will be symbols. Uh, some of them will be typologies, okay? Uh, now, with the typologies, usually I think the typologies are more like um, the whole life of a person, okay? Uh, the whole life of a person or a whole story, okay? While the symbols can just be one particular thing that happens. So let's look at one symbol. I don't know if I have it. Jacob's ladder is a symbol. Jacob's ladder is a symbol of Christ. And Jesus said it in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 15. Jacob's ladder is found in Genesis 28, verse 10 to 12. Genesis 28, verse 10 to 12. So Jacob's ladder is a symbol. So we are talking about symbols. The first one is Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder is a symbol. Where did I say it is? Genesis 1, 28 verse 10 to 12. In the book of John chapter 1 verse 51, Jesus said that, and you will see the, the Son of Man, John 1, 51, he says, and you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. By saying that, he was saying that the ladder of Jacob was Christ. Are you with me? <laughs> When Jesus was saying, he was saying that when Jacob, your great, 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 great grandfather was having a dream, it was me he was seeing. Why? Because in the same book of John, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the father except by me. Why? Because I am the only ladder to heaven. So Jacob's ladder is a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament. Somebody say a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament. Another symbol of Christ is manna from heaven. The manna that came from heaven. The manna that came from heaven is a type, is a symbol. It's a symbol of Christ. The manna that came from heaven is a symbol. Manna from heaven is a symbol of Christ. Now, the manna came in Exodus 16 verse 4. Exodus 16.4. Exodus 16.4. And you will find out in John chapter 6, verse 32. Let's look at John 6.32. In John 6.32, Jesus is telling us something there. That is that bread that their fathers were eating in the Old Testament. And that's why they wanted to kill him. <laughs> they got angry. Look at this. Okay, okay. Let's start from verse 30. I told you, why, why are we looking at verse 30? I said what? Context. Right? When we said context, we are considering the verse that comes before that verse you are going to talk about so that you understand the full picture, okay? Verse 30 says, They said unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What thou, th- dost thou work? 
Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. Do you see they are talking about our fathers did eat manna in the desert? As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I told you verily, verily means what? Thou say the Lord, truly, truly. This thing I'm telling you is like God is speaking. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. But the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto what? The world. Then say there unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. <laughs> he said, Master, give us this bread so that we will not get hungry again. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never test. I say unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. We will not continue again. So, <laughs> so, when you go, let's go to verse 41. Verse 41 says, the Jews murmured. They were angry. Said, ah, ah, this guy said he's the bread that our fathers ate. Because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And, and they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? <laughs> oh my God. Let's go to verse 43. Jesus answered and devil answered and said unto them, Mama not among yourself. No man can come unto me except the father which has sent me draw him. This is why no man can accept Christ except he be predestinated to accept Christ. Yes. I'll teach you one day. <laughs> this is Jesus beginning. He said, no man can come to me except the father draws him. I don't want to go. I don't, I, 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 I don't want to continue this, this doctrine if not, I may get lost. What are we saying? The manna, right? And Jesus said, the manna that we are eating, eh, it was a what? A type. It was a symbol. It was something that was telling you that in some years to come, you were going to eat the real food that came from him. The real one that when you eat, you never become hungry. When they ate the manna, they were hungry. They finished eating the next day, they were hungry again. Then they ate. They ate it for 40 years. But Jesus is saying that, I'm about to give you food that you will never taste again. You will never, in the sense that this gift I'm giving to you is eternal life. So the manna was what? A symbol of Christ. The second, the, the third symbol that we have is the rock at Horeb. The rock at Horeb that Moses struck, which gave um, Moses struck that gave them water. Okay? In Genesis chapter 17 verse 6, the people were hungry, they were thirsty, and they were crying for water, and God told them, strike the rock, and water came from the rock. The rock was a symbol of Christ that will one day provide real water. When we talk about real water, we're talking about eternal life, the life of God that we will never test, test again. And the New Testament, we see Christ constantly affirming that he who drinks of the water that I shall give to him will never test. John chapter 4. Will never test again. Are you with me? And this is why when we look at um, the book of Numbers chapter 20, in Numbers chapter 20, Moses, the reason God had to kill Moses was that he struck the rock again. 
And the rock cannot be stricken again two times. You can't kill Christ twice. So Jesus, <laughs> oh my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. This, this, is, this is too good. Now, let me start. In Exodus 17 verse 6, they are hungry. God says to Moses, strike. Again, another time they are hungry and God says, speak. And you know what God, Moses does? He strikes. And God says, for striking, you will rather die because the son cannot die twice. The son cannot die what? Twice. In other words, he's saying speak to the rock because when Christ died, you know that the new creation realities or the things that Christ has done for us, we speak them into being. Are you with me? When we need them, we speak them. Healing, we speak healing. Is that not true? We speak divine health. Is that not true? And that was, we speak the life of God into being. I follow what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. So God was speaking, the rock was a symbol of Christ that when Christ is, is the thing has already been done, we don't kill him again. We speak it. So God was saying, speak to the rock and the water will come. And Moses, no, the first time I, I, I stroke it, let me strike it again. So no, you can't strike it twice. You speak to it because the rock has already been smitten. That's why if I want to have anything, have any access in Christ, I believe it and I speak it. Yes. And that was what Moses should have done. He should have believed and spoken. But he didn't believe that if I speak it, nothing will happen. Something will happen. And that is what a lot of evangelicals, Christ, a lot of Christians don't believe that when we speak the word, we see the word. They don't believe that I can't. They say that, oh, it's not possible. All these things are word of faith, whatever. Uh, prosperity preachings. They are jokers. That's why I say, when you, when you know your Bible, you don't, say, you don't say nonsense. You don't say what? You don't say nonsense. Where are we studying? Old Testament. Old Testament. And I'm saying that the rock must be spoken to. So, when you find out that you have certain needs, in, 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 you have certain physical needs, material needs, spiritual needs, what do you do? You believe and you speak. And you shall have it. Because Jesus told the people, he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe and you will what? Have it. What does it mean? When you believe and you speak, you have it. So if we want to have something in the New, in, in the new Testament, what do we do? We believe and what? We do what? We speak. Everything you see has been believed and spoken of. Is it not true? When we said we wanted to buy chairs, didn't we say? I didn't say we must buy chairs. That time we didn't have money. But God brought money. When we said we wanted to buy this, it was quite expensive. It was on a Wednesday. I stood here and I said, you know what? We've gotten our keyboard stand and the keyboard stand was here and I said but we don't have key we don't have what a keyboard and I said hey if God gives us five thousand now we will go and buy this keyboard and I said this keyboard the, the keyboard I've got someone they said one is two thousand three hundred another is four thousand seven hundred or something and and I said but we will what we will buy it the next Sunday where we came where was it it was there it was what it was where? It was there. Within the space of seven, was it seven days? No, it was Sunday rather. On Wednesday it was here. I remember. We brought it on Tuesday or Monday, one of them. Huh? 
On Sunday, by Wednesday, in three days, we had raised that amount of money. How did we do it? We believed and we spoke. Listen, you can have more in this life if you believe and you speak. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I remember when I went to school, when I went to college, they said, oh, Charlie, the course is hard, the course is difficult. And what we're doing, matriculation, they were threatening us. And I was sitting with a friend, Afudua. And I said, not me. I'm leaving this school with first class. We had not yet begun the exams. And I didn't trust myself that much anyway. Oh, yes. The Bible says, horses are prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. I mean, is there some trust in horses and some trust in chariots? But we will trust in the name of the Lord. So me, I believed and I spoke. Did I get it? I got it. So I'm saying that exactly the same thing. The rock is a type of Christ that when we speak, so God was telling Moses, Moses speak. And the guy was striking. So people, you must envision your future and you must speak it. Because material things, God wants us to also have material things aside all spiritual blessings in Christ. It's true. It's true. You can believe for a house and speak it and it will start manifesting in the physical. You can believe for your healing and speak it and God will give you new body parts. I listen to what I'm saying. You can believe for your bank account and speak it and suddenly you don't know how debts are being cancelled now you can be able to use your money well some strangers are helping you open doors are coming your way certain things are, certain doors are opening because god spoke to moses believe and speak because this rock is a type of it's a symbol of christ in the new testament even the authors were told to speak believe and speak they are telling us in the new Testament, we shouldn't believe and speak we must believe and speak because jesus taught us Jesus did what? He taught us to believe and speak. Over and over again, he kept on saying, believe and speak. He said, speak. Ask it. He said, if you ask it, in faith, you shall have it. Even if it's a mountain, because this AFM center is a mountain. Hey, listen to me. It's a what? It's a mountain. Most of the projects we have done here are mountains that churches that have 100 members have not been able to do them. Within the space of a year, we did a, all the things we acquired there. When we counted, it was about 45,000 Ghana cities. How much? That is somebody's annual harvest. And that annual harvest is Akesim membership 400. They give envelopes and they have doctors. And, and we, what is our church, member, our church membership? 20, 23, 13, 14, 12, 7. That's how. How? That's what? That's how. We believed and we spoke it. Listen. Sometimes, most of the times, you are broke because you don't want to speak your finances into being. Yes. Yes. Your pocket is dry because you don't want to speak. You know, I've never taught these things here before. I've never taught them. But they are realities. They are there. You don't want to speak. Because Jesus said, if you believe and you speak, it shall happen. And Jesus was not talking about spiritual things. He was talking about material things. I follow what I'm saying. So let's come back to our message in a way. Am I being well? Or you are angry? Are you saying stupid man? You are wasting my time. 
Oh, you are saying you are doing well. You are doing well. Are you saying what a preacher? All right. What am I talking about? Symbols, right? Noah's ark is a symbol of Christ. Noah's ark is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. Noah's ark is a symbol of Christ. The floods are a symbol of God's judgment that is yet to come on earth. Are you with me? Noah's ark is a symbol of Christ. That you know that when the floods came and the waves blew, all who were found in the ark, do you know that some of them were bad people? It didn't matter who they were. Are you aware? Because right after they came, Noah went and the first thing he went out to do was what? Go and prepare his own alcohol and drink. That means in the ark he was we, he was dying for alcohol. That means the guy was an alcoholic. God didn't bother with it. I follow what I'm saying. The whole matter was you must be in the ark. If you are in the ark, you are saved. And again, one of his sons was an arrogant guy. I hope you are aware of it. He went and saw his father's nakedness and he went, he was laughing. <laughs> Come and see my father's testicles. Then he went and told his brother, he said, hey, I never knew my father's testicles were big like that. Uh-uh. Then he went and called his brothers to come and see. Are you with me? But these were, these were the same guys that were in what? The ark. And God didn't bother. He didn't say, no, you don't fit. As long as they believed that the flood was coming. And they picked, carried their legs and entered. They were saved. That's why in the New Testament, the, tech, the, the true gospel that we must preach is that as long as we believe in Christ... That he came to die, that he came to rise from the dead for sinners like you and me. That if we believe in him, the judgment that is coming, God will let it escape us. We will be saved. That is the gospel. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes. Whether I'm a Jew, whether I'm a Gentile, whether I'm, a, I'm an account, God doesn't care about all those things. As long as I believe in Jesus. I am found in the ark. The waves will come. The storms will blow. My boy, I can't be touched. And that is what Jesus was talking about. He said, of all that my father will give me, I will lose none. Why? Because they are in the ark. Did, do you think no one lost one of his sons? No. Because they were in the ark. Noah's ark. So why are these all in the Old Testament? So that when we look at them, we can come back to the New Testament and say, uh-huh, this is how the idea is. So when we look at the Old Testament, you see, I'm giving you a, a good example of the new creation reality or the believers in Christ. And I'm giving Old Testament example of, of, of that thing. And you see that the people who came were not nice people. They were just criminals and, and drunkards. Eh? The man who was called a righteous man in his time was a drunkard. And I'm not saying that when you come to Christ, you must remain a drunkard. Are you with me? But I'm saying that the guy became, was a drunkard and he believed in the gospel. I follow what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. And that is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. When a man is in Christ, that man is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why? 
because he has become a child of God and he can't be touched. He can't be what? He can't be what? He can't be touched. How many types have I given you? Uh, how many um, these things have I given you? Four. Have I given Jacob's ladder? Noah's ark? Manna from heaven? Also, the scapegoat in Leviticus 16. The scapegoat. During the day of atonement, in, the Jewish called it Yam Kapoor. It was the most important, up to now, it's still their most important festival. Yam Kapoor. Atonement. Aaron was to lay his hands on a goat and, and pray over it. And then they were supposed to send the goat to go and die in the wilderness. <laughs> Recently, while I was reading it, I was like, ah, so what happens if this goat goes and roams high and comes back and enters somebody's? <laughs> Amen. Leviticus 16, verse 21. Have you seen it? Levit- okay, let's read it. That's my last point, so let's just read it, then we go. Levit- Levit- Leviticus 16. Verse what? And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him. Oh, do you see he uses him? You should have used it. Because it's a type. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> and confess over him. All the iniquities of the children of Israel. How many of them? So when I accept Christ, how many of my sins? All. How many of them? This is why I have the right to enter into eternal life. This is why on the day of judgment, I will escape because all my sins are laid on Christ. How many of them? Past, present, future. How many? Past, present, future. And that's exactly what happened. All their iniquities on the children of Israel and their transgression in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And the road shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the lining garment which he put on him on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. Then the story continues. So I'm saying that the scapegoat in the book of Leviticus 16 is a symbol of what Christ was going to do. In Isaiah chapter um, 53, he, said, he says that he did what? He bore our sins on him. When Christ was carrying the cross, the, it's not actually the cross anyway, the, 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 the log. When he was carrying it, it was a sign that he was carrying my sins upon him. When he was dying, it was my sin. My sin. Your sin. David, your sins. Your sins. Your sins. All our sins. Your abortion. Your fornication, your lying, your pride, your anger, the adultery you will commit in the future, the born one you will have in the future, all of them, he carried them on himself. 
and went outside the city and died. So, with this said, we have seen Christ in the Old Testament by prophecies, by Christophanies, by typologies, and by symbols. And again, John, Luke 24, verse 25 and 32. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning as Moses, that's Genesis, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto a village where they went, and he made as though he wouldn't have gone. Verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. And their eyes were open and they saw him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our husband within us while he spake with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. And that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That the lamb will be slain. All things must be fulfilled. You see all the things we have read, all the things, there are more of them. All of them were fulfilled in Christ. All of them. The blood spoke better things. When the blood fell on the ground, there was an earthquake. When his blood fell, there was an earthquake. An earthquake. On the third day, when he resurrected, the Bible says that saints resurrected with him on the third day. When he came back, hundreds of people came back to life. <laughs> he, literally, he literally brought them alive. And now he says, all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, Jesus is painted all over the Old Testament. And I believe that soon we will look at Jesus in the New Testament again. And then, uh, when I, uh, there is a Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus in Genesis. And we will go deeper than we, 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 we went today. Amen. I want us to pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Begin to speak in the language of the Spirit. Skiva sandako barabasataya. Lebembreko we thank you for tonight. Let your name be glorified. In the name of Jesus.